0: Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. It's alive. It's a light. It's a lamp into our feet. God, we just focus on you today, God, and we just declare our dependence on you. God, we just speak that we're hungry for you. God, I'm hungry for a word from you. God, I'm hungry to hear from you. I didn't come to hear man speak. I came to hear you speak. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak, breathe in the word today, breathe on the text today. I thank you that your word is alive and active. It cuts right to the heart of us. God, I pray that you would speak to us, speak to our situation, our lives, everybody all throughout this room, God, that we would all hear something from you today. God, I pray a removal of any blockages in our hearing in the name of Jesus that you would give us ears to hear from heaven today. Command every, every voice that's not your voice to be silenced in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for just moving throughout this whole time together, this service today in the preaching of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into an incredible passage of Scripture. It's out of Second Samuel, chapter nine. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV translation. Second uh, Samuel chapter nine, verse one through eleven. We're going to be diving in there, and this is a well-known story about a man named Mephibosheth, a man with a funny name. And uh, we're going to dive in and take a look at his. And, and uh, I'm, the, the text that we're going to be looking at today, this is, a, this is a, a, a pretty famous passage of scripture. But it's one when you read over, you can miss a lot of the gold that's in there. And I'm the type of guy where I, I like to just like chew on one chapter of scripture um, I love a Bible reading plan. I love reading through the word of God in a year. I love all that stuff but there's something powerful when we just chew on one aspect of scripture. It's not how much you read. It's how much you read and actually apply in your life, right? A lot of people read the Bible and they read it as a literary work and they don't get anything out of it because it wasn't just something that's physical that you read. It's something spiritual that, that gets imparted to you. So we're going to jump into the word of God today. Second Samuel chapter nine. Everybody there say Amen. Amen. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1. David asked, "Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake?" Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, "Are you Ziba?" "At your service," he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, but he's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Makir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David brought him from Lodabar, From the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Shame. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and he said to him, I've given your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, everything, everything, that belonged to Saul and to his family. You and your sons and your servants, Ziba, are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, the grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my Lord, the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. Amen. I mean, that passage of scripture, that's one of those you could just read it and just let it soak in. And it's beautiful how God begins to speak to you. And I believe God's even speaking to some of us right here in this room right now. I titled this message Seated with the king, seated with the king. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place like Mephibosheth did in Lodabar, and we forget that we have a royal bloodline inside of us. So let me bring some context to the story and what's happening here if you're not familiar with the text. So there's King David. Now, many of you know the story of David and Goliath. If you've heard that story, that's out of the Bible. And this is that guy that became king, David. Before he was a king, he was a young shepherd boy that was in a pasture. And uh, when he was a shepherd boy in the pasture, at that time, Israel had their first king, a guy named Saul. Before that time, the only people that had king were every other nation around them, the people of God. God was their king. And the, the, the governmental structure, the order, was brought into place through judges and through prophets. So you would have a judge that would help kind of judge the land, judge the disputes that came up, help to enforce and oversee different aspects. And you'd have the prophet that would bring the word of God to the people of what they were supposed to do. And Israel said, hey, we want to have, have a king like these other nations. And the prophet Samuel said, no, that's, that's not the way that God has set up you as his people. He is your king. And they said, well, we want to have our own king. And still to this day, <laughs> no matter what you say, people are going to choose who they want to follow. They're going to choose their own King. And unfortunately, sometimes we make ourselves the King in the story. And so here they are and they're saying, we want a King. And so they said, okay, finally, Samuel's going to God and God says, that's fine. Go ahead. And if that's what they want, go ahead and appoint them a King. And so they're like, yes. So Samuel goes and, and he finds this guy, Saul and, and the Lord told him that's the guy. So they anointed Saul king, he reigned in the land, some speculate for over 20 years, some speculate longer, but he reigned in the land for a long time. And when he started out, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And Saul actually was dancing and shouting in worship, more boisterous than what you saw this morning, okay? And so he's coming in with the prophets and he's all for God. But like many kings that would come after him and like many of us in this room, Uh, he he walked away from the things of God and it says in the Bible he did evil in the sight of God and Samuel, the prophet that anointed him, his heart's breaking for Saul and he's trying to encourage him to come back to the things of God but Saul's just kind of doing his own deal and so the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, I'm going to raise up a new king. So Samuel goes out and he goes to this guy named Jesse and Jesse has all these sons and so Samuel says to Jesse, hey you're one of your sons, uh, go bring all your sons in here. There's something special on one of your sons. And he doesn't tell him what it is. So he sees the firstborn son and he's like, ooh, man, this is a good looking dude. He's tall. He's head and shoulders above the rest of his brothers. He's kind of got a stately regal vibe to him. He's the leader. He kind of commands the room alpha male, right? And so Samuel looks at him and goes, surely this, this is the next king. And the Lord goes, nope. And he goes among all the brothers. It's like... So he goes back to the dad and he says, do you have another son by any chance? And he says, Oh, I do got this one. He's way out in the pasture. So Jesse, the dad feel how hurtful this would have been. He didn't even call his son, David in from the field to stand before the prophet of God. So they called David in from the field and he comes in and and the Lord spoke to him. That's the one. And so here he is, as a ruddy boy. And Samuel pours oil on him and he gets anointed as king. Now he's anointed as king. That's the promise. But he doesn't fulfill that promise for another 15 years. Some of you, <laughs> you've received a promise from God. And 10 minutes has gone by and we can get upset with God. Like, Lord, I thought you told me I'd be married by now. I thought you told me I'd have this business by now. I thought you told, I thought you told me. you know, it, Here's David, 15 years years. I won't even go back through waiting for like Abraham and Sarah. Like I won't even get into all that stuff. But there, and we talked a number of weeks ago about God has an appointed time for everything. And so David is anointed and what does he do? He goes back to playing the harp in the field and singing to the sheep, man. That's it, right? He goes back. And then, then a war breaks out and the Philistines come out. And that's when Goliath, Comes out and the champion of God, and he's yelling and cursing at the people of these children of Israel. And so he's yelling and cursing, and they're like, What's going on? And so David's brothers are all on the front lines. So his dad says, Hey, here, pack a lunch, bring it out to your brothers. So he brings it to his brothers, and he sees Goliath, and Goliath's out there cursing, and all the Israelites are like, What in the world? And then so David gets up and he says, Who is this dude that's talking about our God like that? Like, we're the men. Where's anybody that has some guts? Where's the boldness? You guys are the children of God. Why are you acting like a bunch of pansies? And so uh, the word gets out that David was saying this and his brothers are like, chill out, dude, you run, go back. Don't you have to go back to the few sheep that you're supposed to be watching? And David's like, no, whatever. So they bring David before King Saul and something inside of King Saul sees the passion of this guy and sees that the Lord is with him so much so that Saul decides to put the whole state of the nation in David's hands. Okay. So you had to have been anointed if the king that was chosen originally that's so full of himself ends up saying, I see God's with you. And so King Saul puts his hand and says, all right, David, you're going to do it. You're going to go out and fight Goliath. And you could just imagine all the guys are like, oh my goodness, Saul, we thought he was losing his mind. He's really lost his mind. So he hands, basically, he, he pass, passes the buck to David. says, all right, David, go get him. They put on his armor. You know the story. David takes off the armor, says, I can't wear this. But he goes down, he finds five smooth stones. The Lord helps to sink one of those stones into Goliath's head, knocks him out. David takes Goliath's sword, cuts off his head, and it's like booyah, and the fame grew from there. All right? So that kind of launched David onto the scene. David ends up serving in the king's palace. He ends up serving in the house of Saul, the man that he was anointed to replace. But David doesn't just walk in there and be like, bye, I'm here, I'm gonna own this place. No, he came and he was humble and he served him in any capacity he was asked to serve in. I think what a beautiful picture because sometimes there's somebody that gets a word from the Lord. Like, like, Pastor, I just feel like I got a word of the Lord. I got this fire in my heart to go and preach or do or blah, blah, blah. I remember being a youth pastor and you'd have these young people and they'd be so excited about a touch from God and what God did. And they want to come and preach the next Sunday. And I would tell them, that's awesome. I'd love for you to preach. Can you help stack chairs today? They'd be like, Pastor. (laughs) So David goes in and he's serving. (laughs) Justin's laughing because he was there (laughs) with me. (laughs) So here the people of God, they wanted that king to be like the world when God called them to be outside of the world, right? They were were trying to put into place a worldly system when God was saying, no, I had a different way about doing things. But here's Saul and here's David. So David gets raised up in in the palace there. Time would go on. 15 years goes by, actually just under 15 years, and and Saul would pass away. Saul uh, has a son named Jonathan. Jonathan, David's spending all this time in the palace. Jonathan and David actually strike up a bit of a friendship. And so time would go on. David ends up having to flee for his life. Saul goes crazy. He gets jealous of David. He comes trying to kill him Threw a spear at him while he's playing the harp. I mean, would that freak you out if I'm playing guitar one Sunday morning and one of y'all chuck a spear at me? Bro, it's on. Like, it's on, Okay. So David's playing the harp and Saul's, David's like, I'm out. <laughs> okay, last straw. So David ends up leaving. some, some mighty men, these, these, ragtag bunch of guys, they end up going with him and they're hiding out and, and time would go on and, and, and Saul would pass away and, uh, he, he would die in battle and same with Jonathan, his son. And this catches us up to the text. So now the one that had been anointing, anointed by God to come and take the place is now going from the pasture into the palace. So David comes onto the scene. And David, the first, one of the first things he does is he summons a guy from Saul's household. There was some, he wanted the inside scoop. <laughs> what's the house like? What's the house like? Some of you maybe have come here today and you're like checking out this church. You're like, what's this house like? <laughs> you know, what's this? So David sit, grabs Ziba and he says, hey Ziba, What's going on? Is there anybody left? And then David kind of puts him at ease because you could only imagine. It's like, hey, you know, Ziba, he was just like an administrator that worked underneath Saul. And it's like, hey man, I know you're, you're the accountant or whatever you're doing for, for Saul. Uh, don't freak out, I'm gonna, act, I'm gonna treat you okay. But I wanna know, is there anybody left in the house of Saul? And he says, um, there's one guy And his name is Mephibosheth. And he is the grandson of Saul. And he's actually the son of your friend Jonathan. And David said, well, where is he? And he says, he's down in Lodabar. Uh, He's lame in both feet, though. Don't expect a lot from him. He was crippled. And the reason that he was crippled is because when he was a young boy about the age of five, Mephibosheth, his nurse was running with him. And she tripped and dropped him, and dropped him in such a difficult way that he was lame in both feet. And so he grew up lame and crippled. So, although he was royal by birth, because of something that happened to him that wasn't his own doing, he wasn't being looked at as the next king. David was. Mephibosheth wasn't even in, in the running. He, he didn't even get to enter his name into the, into the race, the presidential race, okay. He, he, didn't, he didn't get anything because he was crippled. And sometimes we go through things in life and well-meaning people that God placed in our life to help care for us, to help protect us, they do something. Anybody ever been dropped by somebody that God put in your life and you know he put them in your life to care for you? Ever, anybody ever experienced the sting? Of a relationship that went south? This morning, maybe you can be like, I relate. I I've, I've felt crippled. I felt crippled by having a child outside of wedlock. That was my story. Maybe you felt crippled through a divorce. Maybe you felt crippled due to decisions with drugs, alcohol, situations, circumstances. Except maybe somebody dropped you that was supposed to watch after you. Maybe it was your physical mom or your dad. And you think about Father's Day that's coming up here in a couple of weeks and it's one of the worst days of the year for you because you're like, I can't stand my dad. My dad was this, that, and the other. I have good news for you today. You got a heavenly father and he's giving you a seat at the king's table. So here's Mephibosheth. He's lame. And he's hiding out down in this place called Lodabar. Now Lodabar... Actually, the the name means the place of no pasture. And another translation for Dabar is actually no communication. No pasture. Malnourished. No place to rest. No place to enjoy the fruit of the land. It's like desolation. Isolation. He's in Lodabar. No communication. Sometimes you get dropped so bad, you don't even want to speak about it. Can't even talk about it. If I do, it just rears everything back up inside of me. It winds me up to the point that it ruins my day. I can't even talk about it. So here's Mephibosheth in Lodabar. Dropped, lame, crippled. He has royalty in his blood. But he can't fulfill that royalty. He can't step into that royalty calling that's on his life because of what somebody else had done to him. So there he is. And David calls him forth. He says, come. <laughs> come, into the, come into the palace here, Mephibosheth. And as you can imagine, Mephibosheth was probably a little bit nervous. He's thinking, he's bringing me here to kill me. That's what you do when you take over a a kingdom. The first thing you do is you wipe out the whole king's family so that there's no rightful heir to that throne anymore. So he's coming before thinking, I'm coming out of this place, this ghetto town, Lodabar this place where I haven't found rest, I don't have community, I don't have communication, I'm an outsider, I'm hiding out, I'm lame, I'm crippled, I've been hurt, I've been walking with this limp for so long and now you're telling me to come forward before the king, the one guy that's left that could probably take me out altogether, I can't do it. But he musters up the strength and with the help of his attendants, he gets brought before King David and he's looking him in the eyes, and he bows down. He says, David says to him, are you Mephibosheth? He says, at your service. And he looks at Mephibosheth, and he says, come here. You're always gonna have a seat at my table. Maybe you're here today and you've gone through a Lodabar season. I felt like as I was praying this week for uh, this Sunday, I just felt like the Lord was reminding me. And and I, I feel like a prophetic declaration over your lives. You're coming out of a Lodabar season. You're coming out of the Lodabar season, that time of lack from that no pasture land that God's bringing you into the palace. For some of you, that might mean physically. For all of you, I believe that means spiritually. Because Jesus said, above all things, I want your soul to prosper, above all things. But if your soul is prospering, then he also delights in adding to that. And so we, I'm gonna pray a blessing over you today before we conclude. I'm believing that you're coming out of that season. What tripped you up? What helped you back? What crippled you that wasn't your fault? I believe God's gonna heal those legs. I believe God's going to straighten things out that feel a little crooked. He's going to put you on a straight path. He's ordering your steps. He's giving you new breath. He's giving you new life. He's taking you out of that place, that thing that held you back, and it wasn't even your fault. He's saying, just lay it down. Just lay it down. So in the name of Jesus, this morning I declare the end of the Lodabar season. You're coming out of the pasture. You're coming into the palace. Mindsets are going to be shifted. Things that were difficult in your marriage. And it may not even be your fault. The Lord's going to change her heart. The Lord's going to change his heart. And there's going to be unity in the home. I believe addictions are gonna break off of people. And just like King David gave an invitation to Mephibosheth, he could have tried to run. I don't know that he would have got very far. (laughs) He could have tried to run. But just like David gave Mephibosheth an invitation, he's given you an invitation. And it's up to us to take that hand, that invitation from the king, but he's bringing you into a place, he's giving you a seat at the table today. He's bringing you into a new, it's a new season in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask Hannah to come up and Kara, Justin, come up on the worship as we close today. I love these uh, television shows, the, the home makeover shows. When we lived in Texas, there was a really popular one called Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're awesome people, Christians. Actually went to their church one time. And, uh, and then we ended up tripping across their house, drove past their house. Um, but I love their show and and they, they, they take this house where you walk in and you're just like, man, this is, this is a bad investment and, and they go in there and they come in and they bring vision where it just looks like it was chaos. Some of you have that ability. You can walk into a house and you can be like, oh no, that's no big deal. We can change this, that, that. We can move this wall, we can move this beam. And they go in there and they bring new vision and they bring new life into that situation, into that home. And then at the end of it, it ends up looking like something totally, you can't even believe it. You're like, I would live in that house. But at the beginning of the show, you're like, I would never touch that thing. I can't even imagine the smells that's in there. I mean, what chips eating something off the floor, you know, whatever they're doing, these crazy things. And you're like, I can never live in that. But then when you see it's all done, you're like, wow, that's amazing. But we can look at that and we forget that there's a process. It's not like snap your fingers and one day it goes in this, like the makeover It happens to us in 30 minutes when we watch the show, right? And we think, wow, that was amazing. I would totally do that. No, not when you're living in it, not when you're cooking in it. I believe the Lord is doing a makeover in your hearts today he doesn't want you to live in that place of Lodabar anymore he doesn't want you living in that pasture land he doesn't want you walking with that limp where you've been walking cripple trying to barely make it to church and come before the king he wants you to come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain all the mercy and grace that you need for whatever is going on in your life he wants you to, when you come into the presence of God it's like you're jumping, dancing, shouting like that That guy that was lame for 38 years there was a man that laid by this pool called the Pool of Bethesda and Jesus comes walking by there one day and he sees the man and he says, what do you want me to do for you? and the guy's like, what do you want me to do for you? hello, I'm lame I can't do anything Jesus says, yeah, but what do you want me to do for you? Sometimes we need to express with our words, Jesus, this is what I'm believing for. I'm casting my cares upon you. I'm going to open my mouth. When, you know what it says in the Bible? It says, when you pray, say. Jesus told his disciples. It doesn't say, when you pray, think. It says, when you pray, say. So when you pray, what are you saying? When you think, what are you thanking him for? We're going to take communion today. And as we do, I just want to remind you that Jesus is the ultimate healer and you have a seat at his table. You know, Mephibosheth, when he gets brought to the king's table, I could just picture it. I mean, it was elaborate. The king's table, come on man, that wasn't like your house or my house on a Friday night for Shabbat, okay? When you come to the king's table, there's people, there's staff waiting on him. Ziba, he had 15 children and they had 20 some odd servants and all of them were instructed to take care of this guy, Mephibosheth. That's service, that's better than the Ritz, okay? That's service, man. And they were all taking care of his needs. So David brings him to his table, sits him down like one of his sons. And when he sat down at that table, (laughs) when he sat at the table of the king, you couldn't see that he was crippled anymore. He was covered by the king's table. He came into the presence of the King and that thing that crippled him was covered up. He sat there like one of the sons. If you didn't know the backstory, you'd never know that that guy sitting there dealt with what he dealt with. All around this room, (laughs) there's stories that I've been honored to hear as a pastor of Authentic Church. It's such an honor to sit in the front row of what God's doing in your life. Makes me cry sometimes. And you would never know the person you're sitting next to. You don't see how they were crippled. You don't know the story. You don't know what the Lord's brought them out of, what he's brought them through, what he did in their marriage, how he saved their life. How many times did he save your life and your friend's life and your family and lineage and everything else and the devil tried to take you out, but he couldn't because God had a plan to spare you and he's bringing you to his table today. you just all stand with us as we end today. Psalms 147 verse 3 says this, it says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He binds up their wounds. You know, the enemy wants to define you by your scars, but Jesus wants to define you by His. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what somebody did to you, no matter what you did to somebody else, it's under the blood today. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.